Amen. 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 High five two people. Tell them it's good to be at the hill. <laughs> it's good though. Good to be at the hill. We're so excited. Y'all are with us today. Come on, somebody. We're so excited you guys are with us today, man. We're expecting God to do some great things. Amen? There we go. Y'all are awake. I like it. Amen, man. Come on. Uh, we are out of, uh, we're not in a current series, and so we just get to kind of preach some, some random things, and so I really want to call this series, I Can Preach Whatever I Want. Come on, somebody. And so I'm super excited. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 37, uh, but before I read Isaiah 37 and, and we get into there, I want to just real quickly read uh, the first verse of Isaiah 36, and here's what it says. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Now, I think it's so interesting. Uh, Judah, man, listen to that thunder, man. Come on, somebody. Anybody else tired of the rain? <laughs> Come on, man. I, uh, I love this setting of scripture, y'all. So Judah in the Hebrew, guys, Judah in the Hebrew means praise. Say praise. Praise or worship, right? That's what Judah means. Now, I think it's so interesting that this king, if he, he was going to take uh, the kingdom of Judah, which had several cities in it, he was going to take the kingdom of Judah. And as, he, as they went up against this kingdom, of course, they didn't have airstrikes. Come on, somebody. Uh, they, they fought on foot or on, on hoof. They fought on horses and so on. And so if they were going to take a nation, they would start, obviously, at the outlying cities. But before they would get to Jerusalem, before they would get to the major cities, they would start on the outlying areas. So I think it's so interesting. Matter of fact, it says that they took the fortified uh, cities. So they, uh, they, they would start, obviously, on the outlying areas and work their way in. Now, if Judah means praise, I think it's so fascinating that the word is showing us here that the enemy will always attack you where your praise ends. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And if the enemy is going to attack me, if the enemy is going to come against you, where your praise ends, what does that mean? That your praise shouldn't end. Come on, somebody. That your worship. See, I feel like God is showing us, y'all, that we should have a lifestyle of worship. That we should have a lifestyle that exalts him and points people to him. Now, before I go any further, I want to just make clear. I'm not talking about a lifestyle of singing because some of us don't sing well. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Am I the only one? I was, I was singing that song that they were just singing. I was singing with them. And I was like, man, some idiot is singing real off key. And it's ticking me off. And they should be quiet. And then I realized I was that idiot. Come on, somebody. And so, amen. So the word says, make a joyful noise. Now, I love this because he's saying in this setting of scripture, he's, he's showing us that, that if the enemy's going to attack us, where our praise ends, he's not talking about a style of worship, but we're talking about a lifestyle that would glorify the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So if the enemy is going to attack me where my praise ends, i got to make sure my praise covers my marriage. I got to make sure my praise covers my children. I got to make sure my praise covers my job. I gotta, I'm going to make sure my praise covers my deer hunting and my bass fishing. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to get to a place in my life that I make sure praise covers everything I'm going to do. Because if he's going to attack where my praise ends, I'm just going to keep my praise going on and on and on. Come on, somebody. And on and on and on. As a matter of fact, it says they took the fortified cities. Let's move forward. We'll come back to that. Uh, chapter 37. So they attack and they take these fortified cities of Judah and they send this bad, uh, bad, bad word to King Hezekiah. And we'll start in verse 1 and here's what it says. 
As soon as Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth, and he went into the house of the Lord. Listen, if you're going to go through some stuff, can I tell you where the place to be is? Is the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Word says it rains on the just and the unjust alike, and we're, alike, and we're all going to face some real life trials, some real life situations. We're all going to go through some things, and I love it because he's showing us that if we're going to have to face it, you ain't got to face it alone. Come on, somebody, that God is with you. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna, the secretary and the senior priest, covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Ammon's. And he said to him, this is what Hezekiah says, this is the day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Now, I think this is so true. Have you guys ever been, been here where Hezekiah is at? And it feels like all hell is breaking loose against your life? Yeah. And it feels like someone amen me over there. Come on with that. Amen. See, there's times in our life, it feels like everything we do is wrong. Y'all ever been there? Am I the only person that'll be real today? Sometimes it feels like no matter what we go through and we try as we might, King Hezekiah is like, I've been a king. I've been a good king. I've tried to exalt God as a king. I've done right things as a king. I've done things God's way as a king. And still yet I'm under attack. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Anybody know what I'm talking about today? You're doing all you know to do. You're working your job. You're faithful with your family. You're giving. You're tithing. You're doing everything you know to do. And it still seems like you're under attack in every way. Matter of fact, it says he's in, he's in distress. He's depressed over it. Like you got to picture yourself as King Hezekiah. You're the king of praise, man. You're the king of Judah. The biggest kingdom of all, right? Of all of, uh, of, all of Israel. And of all the tribes of Israel. And so you have this king and he's going, I've been faithful to God. I've been faithful in my planning. I've been faithful in my serving. I've been faithful in my leading. And then it says the fortified cities were taken from me. Have you ever been there where you're doing all you know to do? Everything you know to do. And still things that you've asked God for. And even though you've been faithful, things that you've prayed for, things that you've fasted for, seem to have been stolen right out from underneath your nose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody, know what you, anybody feel me today? Me, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, you know, and we're, um, we're living life, and it seems like we finally start to get ahead. Anybody feel me today? And then something happens. We finally start get going to getting ahead, and then we go see the dentist. <laughs> I'm just going to try to quit going. <laughs> we go see the dentist, and the dentist is like, yeah, it's $42,000 today. And I'm like, oh, can you take my firstborn? Come on, somebody. Like, like I don't know how I'm going to pay for this today. I'm not for sure what I'm going to do. Like, like, there's times in our life it feels like we start to get ahead, and then something breaks down on the truck. Or, or anybody know what I'm saying? Like, like he's going, I've done all I know to do. I've, I've obeyed the voice of God. I've, I've followed in your way. And I, I woke up, and I found myself in distress. I found myself pressed on every side. I found myself stressed. I found anxiety is knocking at my door. I found frustration is, is waking up with me in the morning. I just, God, I don't know what to do. And he doesn't stop there. He says, I, I've been rebuked. It's a day of rebuke. The, the king is saying to the prophet, not only am I in distress because of what I'm facing, it's also a day of rebuke. It feels like it feels like even though I'm doing everything right, and even though I'm serving God, it feels like even God is saying, you could have done better. Now, I'm probably talking to a perfect and righteous crowd. <laughs> it never, never feels like you mess up. But let me talk from the pulpit today and say I feel like 
days that I wake up and I've been serving God and I've been faithful and I find myself in a place of failure and I feel like God can't use me because of a moment of failure. Come on, somebody. He's saying, he's saying, I need the prophet to know that even though I've done everything I know to do, I, I feel like even God is displeased with me. I feel rebuked today. But it doesn't stop there. He says, it's a day of disgrace. He says, I, 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 I've been in a place of failure. I've been in a place of attack, a place of frustration. I've been in a place that I feel like even God is saying, I don't know if I can go there. And not only that, he says, but I feel disgraced. I feel that I am an embarrassment even to God. Why would God love me because of what I'm facing? See, the problem is a lot of us believe a lie that says if we're, if we're facing stuff that we're not proud of and if we're going through stuff that we're not excited about, it must be because God's mad at me. Can I tell you, God's not mad at you. He loves you. I don't get mad at my kids. I'm not happy with their actions all the times. Sometimes they get a spanking. Come on, but it doesn't mean I'm mad. It doesn't mean I don't love them. It means they need discipline. See, but we believe this lie that says, because I'm going through some stuff, God must be mad at me, and he must be turning his back on me. And God's going, no, 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 no. One person took the price of sin that I had to turn my back on, and that was my son, so that I don't have to do it to you. That's what he's saying. That's, that's what we're going through. And I love this because he's in this place of feeling like, like that God can't do it. And I love what he says next. He says, he's telling the prophet, he says, listen, I need you to talk to God and tell him that children have come to the point of birth and there's no strength to bring them forth. Anybody ever had a baby in the house? I have. I've had four of them. I'm serious. Y'all have heard me say this. I get pregnant right along with my wife. I'm not kidding. My ankles swell. I waddle when I walk. My back hurts. <laughs> I'm moody. I get weird cravings. Michaela's rolling her eyes at me right now as she's holding the new. But it's real for me, man. Like, like she, Megan, is easy when she has babies. Like, it's just easy for her. And I get all the pain and I get morning sickness. And, and I wish I was, I wish I could say I was joking. But isn't it true, babe? See, y'all making fun of me. I just think I'm a better husband. Come on, somebody. I took the pain so she didn't have. Come on, somebody. <laughs> She's in, the, I'm in this place we were having, I've told you all this a hundred times, I wanted two kids, she wanted four, so we compromised and had four, and uh, we were having baby number three, and um, I was in this season where I was just sick a lot, and anyhow, we were, um, we were at the delivery room, and matter of fact, I'd been up all night being violently ill, and she comes in, and she goes, honey, it's time, and I'm like, no, it's not, go back to bed, <laughs> I don't feel good. No, I didn't. I said, okay, let's go. So we go to the hospital and uh, we're in labor. Don't make fun of me. We're in labor. And, and I'm actually in the bathroom of the delivery room being violently ill. And the nurses are like, he's got to leave. He can't stay here anymore. He's got to go away. He's got to go to the ER. And she's, he's got the flu. And she's like, this is normal. This is him all the time, which is really messed up. You know what I mean? And so, uh, anyhow, I, what I did was, because I was really sick and I had no strength to bring forth the baby. And so I put Megan's in bed and she's all comfy in this, in this cute bed and she's all shining and glowing. You guys know what I'm saying? And, and perfect in every way. And I look like I've been hit by a bus. I pulled up a recliner right next to her, to the bed. And I put the recliner legs out and I laid back and I held her hand. <laughs> That's the true story, y'all. And she's, and the nurse was like, push, push, push. And I'm just like, oh gosh, just please quit talking right now I don't feel good but when it was time when it was time when it was time I held her hand and and we we, we went for it and we and we gave birth to Briley and and they took Briley out and they 
brushed her off and, and, and did all the stuff they do to the baby. And it's only me and Megan. Only me and Megan in the room. I sit back on my recliner, Callie, and I'm holding Megan's hand. And I said, baby, this is our last child my body can't handle anymore. <laughs> That's a true story. She laughed too. I was serious, but then we had one more because she wanted to. Now, I think it's so crazy that at nine months, I've yet to talk to a mama that's pregnant at nine months and be like, are you ready? I've never had one go, no, I'm I just want to stay like this. I love feeling like this. I love every, I love it. I've never talked to a, a pregnant lady that said, I love it when strangers walk up to me and touch my belly and don't ask me first. If you do it to me, it's real weird. But if you do it to a person, somehow it's okay. And so like, I've never, they all are like, yeah, I'm ready. Get this thing out of me. It's taking my, my nutrients. It's taking my energy. Get this baby. Like, that's what they all say. And the prophet, the king is saying to the prophet, we're in this place, God, when we have no, it's time for some stuff to come to pass and we have no strength. I feel like God has sent me to tell some people today that he's put some dreams inside of you. He's put some ministries inside of you. There's books inside of you. There's, there's new businesses inside of you. There's jobs and promotions inside of you. There's degrees that God has placed inside of your heart and it's time to bring those things to pass and some stuff has happened and it's discouraged you. It's depressed you. It's made you feel like you're rebuked. And let me be the one to tell you today, if it's that season, if, if God has put those things in you, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, because God will bring those things to pass. It's so fascinating to me. This is so fascinating to me because I feel like a lot of us, we look at God and God's calling some stuff. He's calling us to do some stuff. And we're saying, God, I'm, I, don't, I don't have that. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not good enough at that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And God's going, listen, son. Listen, daughter. Here's the thing. I will never ask you to do anything. I will never require anything from you that I haven't first placed in you. That means if he's asking you to do some things for him, he is first given. The word says it's God in you that gives you the will and the desire, the ability and the desire to act according to his good pleasure. He's saying God put some stuff in you and now he wants some return on his investment. Come on, somebody. He put some stuff in you and he's saying, okay, it's time for that thing to come to pass. And we're saying, but God, I'm not good enough at this. God, I don't have the ability to do this or I don't have the ability to do that. And God's going, I know. I know, but I do. I do. And I'm the one that put it in you. And if I put it in you, I can get it back out of you. I can get it back out of you. I never ask my kids to do something. I've yet to ask Beniah to, to run to the store and get some milk because he's two. And I would be an idiot if I did that. God's never going to ask you to do something. That he's not enabling you for the vision to come to pass. He's never going to do that. So your confidence can't lie in your ability. Your confidence has to lie in his calling. That's what they're going through. This is what they're saying. They're having this, this, this position. And, 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 and Isaiah, Hezekiah is saying to the king, he says, we are, we've got some stuff. There's more in us than we've let out. But we don't have the ability to finish strong. We, we can't keep going, God. And they have this dialogue, and I think it's so interesting. They go on in 37. Hezekiah has this dialogue with uh, Sennacherib. 
about what they're gonna, what, what's going to happen. And Sennacherib immediately starts talking trash. Sennacherib, tell, through some messengers, says, Hezekiah, listen, Hezekiah, we've whipped a lot of kings. This is what Sennacherib says. We've killed a lot of kings and a lot of kingdoms. We've taken a lot of kingdoms, and they all had a god, and none of their gods saved them. None of them. Not one of their gods was able to save them. What makes you feel that you'll be any different? This is what he's saying. What makes you feel that your God is any different? I think it's so crazy. The reality for a lot of us, guys, the enemy, his plan is intimidation. See, if fear, guys, has a way of crippling us or paralyzing us from going to the next level or doing the next thing. Fear has a way, guys, of keeping us from, from, from advancing in anything that we're called to do. Fear, uh, fear matter of fact, when I, was playing, when I was playing ball, I never walked up to the plate going, oh, I hope I don't strike out. Because if my thought was, I hope I don't strike out, what was going to happen? I'm going to strike out. Or, oh, I hope I don't miss this shot. Or, oh, I hope I catch this pass. See, fear and intimidation, they have a way of paralyzing us from doing the things that God has called us to do. They have, anybody, Megan, uh, Pastor Megan always talks about this. Anybody ever go to worst case scenario? Like you wake up and your ear hurts? And you go on WebMD? <laughs> And it says you're going to die. And you're like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Megan comes in. She's like, babe, take care of the kids. I'm not going to make it. I got an earache. You guys know what I'm saying? Like worst case scenario. You guys know what I mean? Like we, we jump to the absolute worst. Like the check engine light comes on in your car. And you're like, well, this is trash. Time to sell it. And you guys, anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, go see the mechanic first. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, like we jump to these worst case scenarios. We jump to the, the, the absolute, like you get pulled over and you're like, that's it, I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. And, and, and you're just speeding by three miles an hour, okay? Like chill out just a little bit. Like fear, guys, has a way of changing our thought process and making us do and think things that aren't rational. You have a fight with your spouse and you're like, that's it, the marriage is over. And God's going, that's irrational. I, 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 I work I grace and healing and, and marriage is just as much as I do bodies. Like chill out. God is like relax and, and understand that it's not over just because it's bad. Matter of fact, if it ain't good, it ain't over. And it may be bad, but the word declares it will not end bad. They're having this conversation and, and fear and intimidation is gripping Hezekiah's heart and and Hezekiah isn't really for sure what to do. He's just trying to beg it to stop. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever argued with your enemy? Hoping, just trying to like talk, talk it into quitting? You guys know what I'm saying? Like you don't feel good and you're just begging it to go like, please headache, go away. You guys know what I'm saying? This is what's going on with Hezekiah. He's in this place. He's in this place and in this situation where he's just trying to get through and, and he's talking to the enemy and, and they dialogue a little bit back and forth and then the uh, Sennacherib sends letters to Hezekiah. We're going to pick this up in 14. Sennacherib sends letters to Hezekiah and Hezekiah, in the beginning of 14, received the letter from the hand of the messenger and he read it. Now I think it's fascinating that he read it. See, I think in our Christian walk, we live in a false sense of faith that says, if I pretend that this isn't real, it will just go away. Now, some of y'all do that with creditors. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Don't answer that phone call. Huh? <laughs> He'll just quit calling. But do they? No. I do that sometimes with my health. I'm like, I'll just ignore it and it'll go away. Right? I believe in healing, but also I believe that God can use doctors. Amen? 
And I think it's so fascinating that he's in this place and he's handed the letter and he reads it. I think that the church world today would say, don't even read the letter. Just, it's, it's done. It's and we would talk him out of doing the very thing he needed to do. Because see, sometimes you can't hear the voice of God. Because if you're in a place of distress and discouragement and you're in a place of depression and you're in a place that you feel rebuked and you're in a place that you feel neglected and if you're in a place that you even feel like God has left and his presence is gone for you, it's not. But you may feel like it is. Sometimes you can't hear his voice. Sometimes all you have is the voice of the enemy. So Hezekiah is like, okay, devil, if this is what you're saying, and you're the father of life, the devil is a liar, he is the father of life, and if all I can hear is his voice, and I know he's a liar, I can know that the opposite must be true. So when he says, your marriage ain't going to make it, you can do a dance because he's declaring in Jesus' name that your marriage is going to make it, that you're going to live and not die. He reads the letters and that's all he can hear. And he says, okay, I'm having trouble hearing the voice of God. But the, the enemy says he's going to overtake us. And I can rest assured. Because, because the word says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It may be formed, but it won't win. He reads the letters. He doesn't walk in a false sense of faith. See guys, faith, faith isn't pretending like you don't have issues. Faith isn't pretending like you're perfect. Faith isn't pretending like there's not a very real adversary or you're not having real bill issues or money issues or health issues. Faith isn't faith for David wasn't pretending like Goliath wasn't there. It was acknowledging Goliath, engaging Goliath in the name of God. See, we feel like if we just pretend it'll go away. God's going, no, engage it. In my name, because no weapon formed against you. And not only that, but Job uh, 42.2 says, no plan of yours, O God, can be thwarted. I mean, the enemy, he can't stop what God wants to do in your life. He can only hope to get you out of position to receive what God's trying to do in your life. He's, he's reading these letters, and I love what he does next. He lays them out before God. He read it, and then he spread it. Thank you. I thought it was clever, too. He read it, then he spread it. He read it, then he spread it. He said, okay, God, I know that you're there, but I just need you to see what they're saying about your kid. <laughs> now, I love this because you can mess with me. You can hate on me and I don't like it. You can talk about me behind my back and I'm not a fan, but my character's got to speak. But if you mess with my kids, look at you all being holy like, brother, you should never talk like that. I'm not going to talk like that just in case if something happens. I don't want nothing on film. Come on, somebody. Like, you can mess with me, but if you mess with my kids, something happens. And, and Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah is laying these letters out, and he's like, God, they're mocking you. Do you see what they're saying about your kids? And God's like, watch me work. I love what he does. I love what he does. It says that, he says, incline your ear in verse uh, 17 and hear me. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And in verse 20, he says, now God, know, so that the world will know, save us. He says three things. He says, do you hear our cry? Do you see our pain? He's saying, God, hear me. God, see me. God, save me. Hear me, see me, and respond to my situation. See, some of us were in the in-between. 
He's, he hears you and he sees you. But he's yet to respond and that doesn't mean he's not going to. Space has, time has to happen. Amen? He's saying, God, do you hear me? God, do you see me? Now, God, save me. What a prayer. And God does. He wipes out 185,000 uh, in verse 36 of the enemy. And then he says he runs home. Sennacherib runs home uh, to Nineveh. And then Sennacherib's kids come in the room while he's worshiping a false god. And his own children kill Sennacherib. Now, I think, uh, worship team, you can make your way up this way. Now, I think it's fascinating. This story is so fascinating to me. Because, see, I feel like when the Sennacheribs of my life show up, I know how to win. When the Sennacheribs, uh, when the Sennacheribs from the outside come, I feel like I know how to walk in victory. When Sennacherib sends me a letter saying that I have to do this or that, I feel like I know how to win. When Sennacherib, when, when life issues come, and I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm so far from it, but when the Sennacheribs of my life show up, and, and, and when the haters show up, I know how to win those battles. I know. I can beat, I feel for the most part, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but for the most part, Pastor Clinton, I can, I can beat the Sennacheribs that, that come against me. I really struggle with the Sennacherib that comes from within me. See, when fear speaks to me, and it sounds like the devil, I can win that battle. But when fear speaks to me and it sounds like me, is when I really start to struggle. I was sitting in my office and the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, son, I'm going to use you around the world. And I said, nope. <laughs> I said, God. And I looked around. My, I was alone in my office and I looked around and I said, God, how? I know where I'm from. See, God speaks to you and he wants to do things in your life. And he wants to do things in your family. And most of us, when he gives us this word of encouragement, we start listing the reasons why he can. Because we know where we're from. We know our struggles. We know our inadequacies. We know our issues. We know our limitations. And God's like, but I put in you what I want out of you. I want to use you. And I was like, but God, I know where I'm from. I know my limitations, God. I know my struggles. And, and, and God, there's no way that you can do these things in my life. God, there's no way. And, and yes, it would be so cool, but there's no way you can do it. God, I don't know how you'll do it. See, Sennacherib, in that moment, wasn't someone else telling me I wasn't good enough. In that moment, fear didn't sound like the devil. In that moment, fear sounded like me. So my question is, we understand what to do when fear sounds like an enemy. But what do you do when doubt? What do you do when fear? What do you do when worry? What do you do when concern sounds like you? What do you do then? Because it's so real. And praise is right, but it's so real, y'all. It's so real. It's so real. I found myself fable in this place, and I was sitting before the Lord. And I'm like, God, I hear you. But there's another voice that's louder in my head. And it's fear, and it's doubt, and it sounds like me. See, guys, it's okay. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is engaging fear. I, I, I'm, 
I'm reading this story and, I'm, and it's speaking to my life in a hundred different directions because I find myself often sitting in this room with God saying, God, how can you do it? Because fear and doubt, they sound like me. And I'm here to tell you, if fear sounds like you, that's okay. As long as faith sounds like him. So when fear speaks and says, oh, you're a nobody from nowhere. You're from a little town. God can't do that. Faith speaks more and says that Jesus was from a small farming community. When fear speaks and says, oh, you've got all these sin issues. Faith then speaks and it doesn't sound like me. It sounds like him. And faith says that my righteousness covers you. You don't have what it takes, but I put something in you that I want out of you. When fear speaks and says you'll fail, faith speaks and says then you'll get back up fear speaks and said oh you ought to quit but fear speaks and says keep going keep pushing because it's me in you that works together for the good oh yeah it's me he says faith responds and it doesn't sound like me it sounds like him I think it's wild for us to think that fear isn't going to speak and fear is going to sound like you a lot of the time oh but if faith would sound like him it's God in you that works the will and the to do of his good pleasure Whew. Isaiah declares that his word that he sends over your life would not come back to him void without fulfilling and bringing fruit to everything he said it would do. I think it's fascinating that Sennacherib's children killed him. Especially from a story. Because if fear comes from within and tries to stop the movement of God, his children under him came up and killed him. So a faith, fear sometimes that's within me rises up to stop the plan of God. Faith that comes from somewhere deep has got to rise up and kill fear. My God. I'm here to tell someone today God's going to bring it to pass. God's going to bring it to pass. And in the process, fear is going to talk. And it's going to sound like you. But let faith respond. This sounds like him. Would you bow your heads all over this place? We're going to sing this song, Fresh Outpouring. And then Pastor Clinton's going to give us an invitation. But before, he, before we do and before he does, just ask God, what areas is fear trying to intimidate and I'm gonna send an army of faith to that area so that I can walk in victory
staying in that moment of worship and no one looking around this morning. You know, the thing about fear is that it, it affects everyone. It's not just, it's just not me. It's not just you. It's not just your calling. It's not just your problem or your issue. And the thing about fear is it doesn't care. It interrupts the narrative of what God is trying to do. So this morning, if, if when Pastor Bo was speaking, God was pulling on your heart, speaking a, a calling back to life, or calling faith to rise back up within you for what God is wanting to do inside of you, if that's you this morning, can you just lift your hand and, and leave it there? Anybody that has got something inside of you that you have hidden or that has set aside or has been just torn apart, just keep it in the air as we pray. I, I want to declare that fear has no hold. Father, we thank you, Jesus. God, we boldly stand proclaiming that you have called us for purpose, for reason, into new territories to new ministries. God, we bind up fear this morning with faith. God, we bind up the enemy's attack and we face it with faith. God, I thank you that as we lift your name up, Lord, that it's happening right now inside of us. Father, bless these, God, that, that have lifted their hands and declared that you have something greater for them. Now, if, if, if you have never met Jesus or if, if, if fear has got a hold of you in your walk and you have, uh, it's, just, it's just kind of put you off course a little bit and, and you're ready to get back right with God this morning, can we have the faith to defeat the fear and meet Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior this morning. If that's you this morning, if you're watching online, if, if you're watching this later, if you're sitting here in this seat and, and you can hear my voice, don't wait. Don't wait. Make it today. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Go. Don't hesitate. Don't think about it. Let God take over. Father, I thank you this morning. God, that in the midst of struggle, pain, hurt, and anguish, depression, and addiction, God, whatever it is they were facing, you're greater, you're stronger. We've already won the battle. If we have the faith to stand and believe that that's so. God, help us today to be better followers of you. Lord, we love you this morning. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, can we give, can we give God a round of applause this morning for just incredible calling back to him? I believe that there's things that are going to be birthed out of today because we have we've listened and heard to the call and we're going to respond with faith amen amen